0: Good evening, all. Nice to see you here this evening. Um, if you've got a question, please feel free to uh, ask away. Type, type, type it in, um, and I will, uh, I will answer it. So, um, is this off-putting? This thing on Instagram, this tunnel thing. I quite liked it. Uh, it's been a t- bit of time. Oh God, sorry. Any really your car in there? Um, it's been a bit of time choosing it, but I don't know if it's off-putting um well here we go we've got us can i please what the maximum implant size for 32b could be in one surgery oh god right okay um it is off-putting okay (laughs) right so therefore i will take it off um taking it off there you go oh hello oh god uic yeah good right yes so right i have got to make a note of that we've got a question what is maximum size implant for a 32B in one surgery? Okay. Um, look at this. They're backing up. So I have, I, I said I would answer this one first. So that's why I'm making note of that. So I've got one here. I said I would answer first. So I'll make note of that Enhance. Um, yeah, it was a bit like that, wasn't it? Uh, so this is what I said I'd answer first. I think Amy's going to chunk it and send it to the patient because she's not, uh, not, yeah. Um, can I have a tummy tuck if I have hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome? So Ehlers-Danlos is a collagen disorder. Collagen is part of your skin that um, gives its, its its elasticity, and so you have hyperelastic skin. So people with Ehlers-Danlos can do that and pull the skin out, and uh, hypermobile joints, and it can affect your wound healing. So it can you can have problems with wound healing. Um, and there's a, a bit of an issue in terms of the mobility of your skin, the stretchiness of your skin. If it's <clears throat> too stretchy then in terms of the healing um, of the wound. So the bottom line is, yes, you can have a tummy tuck if you have got erlost stanlos But like I always say, with any medical problem, that we would check with the person who's looking after your of stanlos to see if there's anything we need to do or if there's, um, you know, because they are the expert in that condition. Um, so it kind of it kind of it kind of depends on what they say um the surgery is often quite similar although you will be an in increased risk of wound healing problems. so i will talk to you that about that um last week or was it the week before we had someone who had von Willebrand's disease and i said the same thing that we would check with the hematologist and the anaesthetist and what have you we subsequently checked with the anaesthetist before i saw the patient in the clinic and the needs said, look you know what there's potentially going to be a lot of issues going on here the hospital said no so that was actually a no before i even saw the patient so um um you know it's i often say oh yeah you know it should be fine by me because often the surgery is quite similar but the anesthetist and the, the hospital might have a view on it so uh, uh you know the problem for me is i have not a problem but the, you know i have done surgery on people with loss and loss, so it can be done but to be honest with you things have got a little bit more Careful, I suppose. You know, the, the hospitals and the anaesthetists are being much more careful. Does that suggest they weren't careful before? Um, risk averse. I mean, I'm all for being risk averse because no one wants a risk. But at the same time, if you you know, we we used to kind of say to patients, you know, th- there are risks and balance it. But now, you know, I think more and more people are being um, uh, said that they can't do it in terms of the, the, the hospitals or the anaesthetists. So I, I think it's a thing of COVID and I don't know what it is. But um, anyway, so on paper, yes, increased risk of wound healing uh, issues. We'll talk you through through that. I'll talk to you, the doctor who's looking after your stand loss, and talk to anaesthetists, talk to hospital. The other thing I'd say is you do come to clinic and see me and i we can't do it because the hospital say no or i say no or you i say something and you say look i don't fancy it we will give you your money back for the consultation so uh we won't you know it's not that that would that love it it anyway because it's a bit bit unfair really because it's not you that's saying no. three um susie what you saying yes susie said something i feel like a favorite so looking forward to seeing you soon. You have three of us coming. I know, Susie, I've heard. I've heard Susie. Yes. You must get some kind of award for that, some kind of prize. Well done. Um, right. So what we got. So Enhance, can I please ask what the maximum implant size for 32B could be in one surgery? Well, the... Do you want ask with you, Enhance? Enhance with them? Is it? Um, I always feel a little bit kind of like kind of that's kind of like a red flag question for me it's kind of like alarm bells because i try and do kind of things in proportion and i measure the width of your chest and that would dictate the size of the implant that i could use and then we look at shape and profile so um 32b doesn't really mean anything um although i would obviously 32 it means you're, you're obviously quite slim be you know with a modest cup size but um you know i'd have to measure you in the clinic and then you look at shapes and profiles so if you're saying you want the biggest which which you are um would be an extra high profile round implant um and then it will be whatever size extra high profile implant would be that would match your base width for me i will i do like to respect the base width of the breast so i do not put implants in wider than the base width of the breast some people do and so if you're after the maximum you might be better off seeing one of them um because i worry about disrespecting the base to the breast because if you put an implant in too wide you can run into trouble you can get sin which is a web between the breasts it can stick out too far on the side and you can hit them and things like that so you can get issues putting them in too wide so i'm a bit cautious i'll be honest with you i'll be upfront with you here and now i'm a bit cautious about that because i'm what because i've seen problems and they're very difficult to correct problems once you've got them and it sounds a bit like uh, a bit churlish to say you'd be better off Having it done right first, kind of thing, rather than getting into a problem and then trying to fix it. It's a nightmare. Once the pocket's been made too big, it's very hard to come back from that. So you're better off making the pocket right in first time. Having said that, there are people out there who do put in bigger implants than I do. And so if you're asking for the maximum, you're probably better off going with one of them. But uh, if you're asking me, what I would do is I would measure the width of your breast and I would respect that width and I'd get. So the biggest implant would be the extra high profile. So there's teardrop around for the same width the round implant's got more volume than a teardrop. So you would want a round implant on those grounds and there's low, moderate, high and extra high profile. So you want an extra high profile round implant for the width of your breast. So the width is different to the 32B thing. Um, the width would be something we measure its distance across the sort of diameter of your, your chest. So that's how I would go about measuring that. And then I could maybe give you an idea of where you would be going But I'll tell you now, if you want to be maxed out and very, you know, big, um, that's not my specialty. It's not my forte. Here we go. Siobhan's got a question. Um, With tuberous breasts, would you advise high-profile implants or moderate, starting from 36B? Well, just shy of a B. No, I wouldn't necessarily, um, Siobhan. It's difficult because, yes, you need the breast to kind of – I mean, tuberous breast ca- covers quite a wide spectrum of of, uh, of breast shapes, um, but the issue with tuberous breasts is often constricted lower pole, uh, herniation of the nipple-areola complex, and you really need to try and release that nipple-areola complex. You need to release that lower pole, and the, the, you want the implant to kind of kind of stretch out that lower pole and and, and uh, give the lower pole back to the breast, which often hasn't got it. You've often got a nipple and then kind of nothing below the nipple. So you're trying to recreate that with your implant. So you do want the implant to sort of push and stretch, stretch on that. So I guess that's where you come in from saying, would you advise a high profile implant? But having said that, I wouldn't necessarily advise a high profile implant because a high profile implant is a fuller, rounder look. So I would have a discussion with the patient to try and get the kind of look they want because it's always a balance between trying to get the look they want and correcting the, deformity you don't want to correct the deformity and give them big rounded breasts that they don't like so i would be i wouldn't necessarily say like um knee jerk you would have a high profile implant if you've got a tuberous breast um i would you know i would be okay using a moderate profile implant um so yeah um but but i can see where you're coming from because it's going to push more and maybe expand out the lower pole more um is 425 cc good do you think very good question that's uh enhanced with them because 425 if someone says what do you think should i have a 425 cc implant that covers a multitude of implants there's loads of 425 cc implants there's 20 there's teardrop ones round ones low profile high profile moderate profile so a 425 cc low profile implant will be much wider than a 425 cc extra high profile implant that would be much narrower. So I would start with the width of the implant, not the volume of the implant. So I would start with the width, which would fit the brace, your base width. And then I would look to see what volume that corresponds to rather than going, yeah, 425 will be all right. So a lot of people, when they talk about, it, well, everybody, when they talk about implants, talks about volume, 425, four fifteen, things like that. But actually, when I'm looking for someone and I'm sizing them for an implant, I start with the width. Um, and then the shape and the profile and then the volume so that's the trident approach yeah that's the trident approach width first then shape and profile and finally volume so the volume is dictated by the width and the shape and the profile of the implant Um, so you don't start with volume Um, but in answer to your question 425 sounds pretty big to me if you're a 32B I'd say that, but you obviously want to be pretty big. So yeah, sounds pretty big, I would say. Sounds, sounds you know, for, for a sort of knee jerk reaction, I think, yeah, that sounds pro- probably, if you want to be maximum, that sounds, might might be it, but, but can't say without sort of measuring you, etc. Um, Also got some questions asked on the ask a question button. So thank you very much for that. Um uh, I'm just going to read my writing. What do you think of donut stroke, crescent lift and fat transfer? So um, I don't like the donut slash crescent lift, one of the things that people often want in terms of surgery is less scarring, not unreasonably. It's completely reasonable to want less scarring. I want less scarring. If I give you less scarring, there's less wounds to heal you know you know he'll you know recover more quickly you're going to be happier because it's less scarring so basically um when you do a breast lift you have to move the nipple so there has to be a scar around the nipple so i guess the smallest scar you could have would be the crescent so a crescent just literally takes a crescent from above the nipple and lifts that nipple up a bit the problem when you're just taking a bit of skin from above the nipple and not below is that you worry that you might elongate the nipple a bit you know, so if you're just doing a crescent, you might elongate it a bit. And that really, for me, and this is all in my my, my hands, people will be different. Some people might say, oh yeah, crescent's brilliant. Um, for me, that would be maybe a tiny little asymmetry between the nipples. You might say, OK, I might try and lift that little bit by just taking a little crescent out. So the crescent is just really to try and balance up an asymmetry of nipples. The crescent lift is not really a lift, a breast lift. For, for me, it's not going to really lift the breast. It's certainly not going to do much to the dynamics of the shape of the breast. Um, so then you've got your um donut. So the donut lift um takes a donut of skin. So it's a skin all the way a scar all the way around the, the nipple. So it's a little bit more than the crescent. The crescent is just the top half. A donut is all the way around the nipple. But again, a lot of people like it because there's no sort of scars on the breast. It's all on the interface between the areola and the normal skin. And that can that can settle really quick, you know, really quite well. And so you can't really, you know, it can be hard to see that scar, which is really good. But I don't like the donut lift. The reason being that it limited as to how much skin you can take out. The donut takes a big, basically a donut of skin around the areola. So you, you suture a big circle into a small circle. So it's always a bit puckered, a bit like an areola reduction. Now those puckers do settle, but it's always a bit puckered to start off with. But it kind of flattens the breast. It dampens it down, doesn't give projection. So I don't think it is a great shape. I think the better shape is when you put a, a vertical scar in and tighten the skin in the lower pole of the breast to try and give a bit more projection. So my starting point for a breast lift is a circum areola and then a straight down, so-called lollipop. And I often will have I will have no problem about putting a horizontal scar on in a varying lengths. So short T-scar or T-scar or, or anchor-shaped scar. So I am more of a lollipop slash, slash um, T-shaped scar person. I am really more focusing on the shape of the breast rather than minimizing the scars. Obviously, if you want to minimize the scars, don't have anything done. You know, there's a spectrum. Don't have anything done. There's no scars. T. There's a lot of scars, and then in between, you've got your your minimum. You know, lesser scarring ones. But the the um, crescent and the circumareola for me is not giving you a good lift, so it's not worth doing in my experience. Now, a lot of people do do it. I'm not going to say it's bad for everybody. Um, it's just in my experience it's not great hiya Alison. i hope you're okay and i'm hoping it's all working okay all the, i should have said that in terms of audio and all that um so another question another question we've got on the on the little sticker on the story which is Can't tell you how exciting it is when we get people clicking on that story thing. Can you go from, uh, same person asked the two questions, full disclosure, but still well done you. Can you go from dual plane to over the muscle in second surgery? So, um, yeah, you can, you can, yeah. So basically you can change plane when you have another operation. So if you've got the implants on top of the muscle, you can put them under the muscle. If you've got them under the muscle, you can put them on top of the muscle. So you can change planes if you've got problems. So there are problems with putting implants under the muscle animation to performities, uh, implants sitting very wide, implants sitting high. So these are problems you can get when you put them under the muscle. So you might say, so I don't know what the problem is. So presumably you've got a problem with having them under the muscle. So that's why you're thinking of having the change to be put over the muscle. So if you've got a problem, you think, oh, you know I'm gonna put it over the top of the muscle, absolutely fine. The only thing I would think about is you've got to think, someone thought it was a good idea to put them under the muscle. And the reason someone thought it was good to put it on the muscle, I'm assuming, is because you're quite slim. You can kind of see the ribs and you worry about seeing rippling of those implants. So that's kind of why they put it under the muscle in the first place. Now, I accept you might have a complication from having them under the muscle in terms of the animation or whatever. I'm seeing, But there's a potential complication with putting them on top of the muscle. It's not like one's better than the other. It's not like on top's better. So when top was better, they'd have done it to start off with. So on top is better in terms of the animation deformity and the wide and the high thing, but it's worse in terms of rippling so that's the only thing I'd be thinking of if you think you're changing from under to over I'd be a little bit concerned that you might then get rippling you might start fixing the edge of the implant stuff like that so that is just something I would bear in mind uh, if particularly if you are quite slim yes it might cure your animation deformity or whatever the reason is that you're having them the plane changed but is it going to cause another problem? Is that why they put them under the muscle in the first place? Um, I, I always forget the microphone. Um, Alison's all good, just recovering. Alison, you recover. Put your feet up. Uh, take it easy. Let me do the heavy lifting. Um, so what else we got? Oh, God. Sorry. Shaheel, I was about to report you then. Sorry. Press the wrong button. Uh, right. We're into these questions here now. Can I have a breast reduction and breast implants at the same time? I don't know what you feel about this, Sheheel, but I um, don't like it. Um, um, I It doesn't sit right with me. It is a thing. And you might say, hold on a minute. What are you talking about? Breast reduction and breast implants at the same time. What? Well, yes, it is a thing. And the reason it's a thing, because if you have a breast reduction, or a breast lift, something that personally I always make a point of when I say to people having a breast reduction or a breast lift, I always point out the sort of shape that can be achieved when having that surgery. When you first have the surgery, you push all the volume up north, the implant, the, uh, the breasts are sort of underneath your chin and you might think, oh, that's good, but it always settles. When it's natural breast tissue, it always settles. So actually, to be honest with you, it looks a bit weird when you first have it done. And then it always settles to a natural breast shape, which is like a concavity in the upper pole. So that shape will is what you'll get if you have a breast lift or breast implants. And sometimes people have in their mind the sort of shape you can get with implants, which is sustained fullness in the upper pole. It's like a bump in the upper pole. If there's like a convexity rather than a concavity in the upper pole, well, that is implants. And you out of a bra, I might add. This is in a bra, you can get a, a convexity, but out of a bra, it always goes into a concavity. The breasts settle to what I would say is a natural breast shape. But this is a conversation we have to have pre-op because you have to kind of accept that if you're going to have a breast lift or a breast reduction because that you cannot get that, that, that bump in the upper pole, that fullness up there out of a bra without implants. In my hands, people do things all sorts when they do breast lifts to try and keep the volume up there, and they say anchor this and that but i you know i haven't found anything good to keep the volume up there and in my hands i would say you're going to have a, conv- a convexity and it's going to look natural it's going to look better it's going to look natural, it's gonna look, you know good don't get me wrong but if you've got in your mind this bump that's implants so some people say well hold on a minute i want the bump i want the bump i want the implants thing i'm like yeah well if that's fine but if i put implants in what's gonna happen they're gonna get bigger aren't they and you don't want to be bigger in fact you want to be smaller you know, if you want a breast reduction, you want a mass defect, want to, you don't want to be bigger. If you want a breast reduction, you want to be smaller. And you're saying you want the bump. If I put implants in, it's going to make bigger. So what there is in the world out there is people who will put implants in, but then will reduce the breast. If you don't want to be, if you want to be the same size, or even if you want to be smaller, they will reduce the breast to the volume of the implant, take out the volume of what the implant is, of natural, healthy breast tissue, replace it with implant, and then do the reduction on top of the implant. So you end up the same size. But you have that bump. So that is a thing. Um, so that is a breast reduction and breast implants at the same time. So that is a thing in the world. Um, but I personally don't feel comfortable doing it. So, again, just find what people are good at and find someone who's good at that sort of thing. I don't like the concept of it. I don't like the thought of removing healthy breast tissue and replacing it with implants. It doesn't sit right with me. And it's not really something that I do um plus minus technique they call it i've seen someone talk on it he was from overseas i don't know if anyone in this country does it maybe they do i don't know uh, if they're here and online and if one does it then you know please say um by all means advertise your services because there's someone here who's interested in it but uh, it's not my uh it's not my bag so i don't do that uh, because i just don't feel it is right and i would say to you look accept the shape that you can get with a lift and reduction because it's still a good shape and you can wear clothes and push them up and all that sort of stuff but what we want is we want a happy patient so we need to explain that to you pre-op we don't want to be explaining that to you post-op once you've had your breast lift or breast reduction and they settle and we go oh yeah they always look like that and you're like well hold on a minute i wanted them up there i'm like oh no you can't get them up there unless you have an implant. well you know you don't have that conversation post-op because that's just uh, awkward, and that's a lie. That's the, the the route to an unhappy patient, and nobody wants that. So, if you want them smaller or the same size, I would advise you not to have implants. Implants, in my view, are really good to make them bigger. <clears throat> yes, they do give you more fullness in the upper pole, but I wouldn't use implants just for that reason. I would use implants if you want to be bigger and fuller happy days then it's an implant you know maybe there'll be a lift or whatever but then it's an implant but if you want to be smaller or the same size and it's just the shape that you don't like I would say to just have a reduction or a lift and accept the shape that you can achieve with those operations and accept that um that's concavity in the upper pole when you take your bra off the best breast will settle and it's, it's a normal breast shape is how breasts normally look so that's where I am that's why that's the that's the side of the fence I'm on with the plus minus or the um, breast reduction and breast implants at the same time technique but thank you for that it's a good question now my little arrow has come a question from stories oh look at that amber so we've got the muscle do you do bbl surgery my friend had one done abroad but i don't want to travel that far because of the risks etc i do not do bbl surgery but i do understand that people are doing bbl surgery so bbl brazilian butt lift. I'm not sure if we're supposed to be calling it Brazilian butt lift because I think Brazilian butt lift is maybe a certain way of doing it. So I don't do it, first of all, by saying that, you know, full disclosure, I don't do it. Um, but as I say, people, people, there are people doing it and they're saying that it is you can do it safely. You can do fat grafting in uh, in a certain plane and it is something that can be done. But I don't personally do. I just not, never really got into buttocks, as it were. Um, they 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 have you know, just not really a um, it's not really a an area that I've got into. But I know that there are UK surgeons now saying that you can do it safely as long as you inject the fat very carefully and and what have you. So that may well be the case. But um but I don't I don't do it. And that reminds me, when that person asked that question, they said um about the donut and the crescent lift. They said and fat transfer. So. Yes, you can do fat transfer at the same time as a lift. I again, I mean I, and I will do that, and I do do that, and I do like doing fat transfers. The only thing I found with fat transfer is quite subtle the volume increase. And again, if you're trying to get that fullness in the upper pole, it doesn't stay. It's natural, any sort of natural tissue doesn't really stay. So you might say to do some fat grafting in the upper pole, but it just doesn't stay and it and it settles. And it is good for a, a mild volume. So if there's a volume asymmetry, then then yes, I think fat fat grafting is good. But for an augmentation, so to get a significant increase in volume, again, in my hands, I can't get enough fat in there to get a significant increase in volume. For me, I'm looking at about 80, 100, 120 cc's would be a good amount of fat graft into each breast. And that's quite a small, you know, an 80 cc implant is quite a small, 100 cc implant is quite a small implant. So it's quite a subtle increase in volume. You know, when you use implants, you get 200, 250 straight off the, you know, banged in. Whereas fat grafting, that would take two, maybe three operations to get that in. So um, so it's just not there yet for me in terms of breast augmentation or increasing the volume. It's good for other things, like maybe putting over the top of implants if you've got rippling or, as I say, if you've got a mild asymmetry. But for pure augmentation, I don't think it's, it's there yet. What have we got here? I'm losing track of the chat. JJ's losing. Hi, JJ. Sorry, I've been here the whole live was just cooking a pad thai and listening okay good to know Corin. thank you hi jonathan hi claudia nice to see you here uh this fair eve um so get myself comfy right good uh, this is good isn't it so here we go this is um do my implants need to be fda approved so this is um i did a blog post about this or was it an email yeah it's a blog post this week um, sometimes people ask this, to, to be fair, it's a bit, bit less recently, but, um, but we in the past I had a lot of people asking me if they're FDA approved. Um, now, FDA is an American uh, um, cl- classification or, or, or certification of implants, the Food and Drug Administration. It's got nothing to do with the UK. So that no, they don't need to be FDA approved. I think the reason people are asking is because a lot of the stuff online is American, and all the American surgeons are saying, "Make sure your F- your implants are FDA approved." In fact, are they? Maybe they're not saying that because why would they say that? Because they have to be FDA approved to use them in America. Do they say that? So maybe they don't say that. But anyway, maybe they do say that um, because you can't you can't use a non FDA approved. I don't think you can. Either. I think you have to use an FDA approved implant in in the America. You cannot use a non FDA approved America, implant in America. And that's right. I did a blog post and I talked about Creed three because I was watching Creed three and um, it had the British 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 Board of Film Classification. You know, whatever certificate it was 15 or whatever um or 12 i don't know what it was whatever it was and i I, I thought to myself this is the you know this film might be classified different in uzbekistan it might be different in russia it might be different in china it might be different in australia might be different in uh nicaragua different countries might have different classifications of this film but does it matter because we just worry about what the British classification is. You know, so what if they classify it 15 in America and 12 in the UK? You know, well, maybe that's interesting to know. Oh, they've classified it higher. So maybe it is a top end of 12. Maybe it is useful, but it doesn't really matter that much because we just go on what the British classification is. So no, the implant, and and there's very few implants are actually FDA approved uh, in America. It's cost of millions and millions of pounds they have to do a lot of... um, work to get them FDA approved in America so um, we have thing called the MHRA which is the equivalent um, organization that needs to be approve implants in the UK um, so we have to so all the implants are approved by a, a body in the UK. But the FDA is the American one and so there are the we use a lot of implants that are not FDA approved so a lot of the implants um, that we use here are not FDA approved mentor are FDA approved there's one called Sientra I don't think you can get them here Sientra but they're FDA approved Alligan you were FDA approved and we use them in this country but they've gone now um So there's the the majority, actually, are not uh, FDA approved, but they're all approved in the UK. So uh, in answer to the question, they do not need to be FDA approved. Um, When having a breast reduction, can you tell me what cup size I'll go down to? No. No. I mean, it's awful, isn't it? And to be honest with you, even when you're having a breast augmentation, and we know we're using a 250 cc implant or a 320 cc implant we can't tell you what cup size you're going to be it is not a precise science and it's not a precise science because for two reasons first of all the, the cup size is based on the difference in your bust and and your back size um, so if it's an inch it's an a two inches b three inches a C. so therefore someone with a bigger back size will have a bigger breast and kind of still be a c cup than someone who's got a smaller back size because three inches bigger for a smaller back size will be a smaller breast and three inches bigger for a back, bigger back size. But they'll both be a C cup. I don't know if that makes sense. So there is not something that's set that is a C cup or a D cup or whatever. We don't have a kind of template or a mold to say that's a, a C or a D, number one. And number two, you just know yourself. When you go to M&S, you're a C. And when you go to Matalan, actually the Matalan, cell closed. Um, when you go to Primark, you're a B. Yeah, so they're different in different shops and different makes. So um, so it is not a precise science. And so sadly, no, we can't get to tell you what you're gonna do. And i tell you now, a lot of people are not kind of wearing the right bra. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter if you're not wearing the right bra. Well, as long as it's comfortable, but you get measured at five places, you'll get different, you know, you get told, told different things. You wear a bigger back size, then you automatically will have a smaller cup size for the same breast that you got now and vice versa smaller back bigger cup um so it's it, you know you could easily wear a c a, a 30 um to d or a 34 c yeah a bigger back smaller cup and the, the, you know in the same person so it's very hard to bring so you could say oh i went from a d to a c and like, nothing's happened i mean had surgery you just changed the back size just change where you got measured so um So it's not a precise science. So what I do is I normally say, look, these are some photos of some cases. They're always smaller. They're always lifted. I'm trying to bring you into normal shops, basically, so you don't have to buy bras online and stuff. But I can't guarantee you. It's not I. I don't think anyone can. I don't think there's any plastic surgeons left on this here. But I don't think any of us can guarantee a final cup size. Um, I think um, it's just not a precise science. So it is, unfortunately, a bit of a leap of faith, really, with everybody um with with implants and with um uh, with reductions you know is sadly you're spending all this money and you kind of really don't 100 percent know what cup size you're going to be and it doesn't matter as well you know sometimes people come back and you say you're happy with the cup size yeah i love it fantastic great and they go and get measured they're a b or they're a c or they're a d or they're an f you know i put implants in and they're an f i'm like what you're an f blimey that sounds like they're massive but they don't look that big they don't look you know what i would kind of think was an f but even measures is enough. So don't worry what you get measured at. If you like them, you like them. If you don't like them, you don't like them. That's what's important. Are they in keeping with your frame? Do they look good? If they do, that's it. Don't worry. Don't let anyone make you unhappy by telling you they're this cup size. Um, after having a lipoma removed on my hip, when, hold on a minute, when I returned to work, I'm a floor layer but self-employed. Amy, this I did, <laughs> right. Well this is a good question because I did this yesterday. Was it yesterday? Was it yeah, Monday, I did this. So anyway, and I think he went to work back to work the next day, didn't he? He had the day off. Um anyway, we'll pretend that it doesn't have already happen. Um yeah, I mean it's difficult when you're self-employed, but just generally speaking going back to work is difficult. I think um It's difficult in a way because you want to get back to work because you earn money when you work but the other the good thing about the self-employed is you can maybe manage your diary a bit better and if you feel a bit uncomfortable maybe go home early and things like that whereas when you're employed you kind of have to go nine to five you know so i think people who are employed are more likely to take time off than people who are self-employed um not only because they you know get sick pay but also because when you go back you kind of have to be you know you have to do the job they're not going to be very happy if you go back and say actually you know what can i go home early i don't feel right they're going to be like well why don't you take a you know well, you shouldn't have come in if you're not right sort of thing so um yeah so this was a fair sized lipoma, um golf ball i suppose or egg egg yeah egg size, and um and um and you know, the the good thing about lipomas is they're subcutaneous. They're lumps underneath the skin. So you don't have to take much skin out, slash any skin out. So you can just do an incision in the skin. So the skin's not closed tight. It's not like when you're taking a mole out or something like that, when your skin's closed tight or a skin lesion tattoo, something like that. Skin's closed tight. So you don't want to put too much tension on it. So there wasn't so much tension on the wound. Um, sensible chap um needed to work fair enough i just said it might make it swell a bit where the space where the lipoma was um than if it than if he hadn't come to work so soon so the one might be a bit more swelling might take a little bit longer for it to settle so sometimes it's a false economy going back to work so, so soon i would say ideally a few days if you could take a few days off that would be ideal especially if you're doing a, a, a manual job like a floor layer but he's not um doing carpets which are what did he say stretchers which apparently is quite hard. So he's doing hard floors, which is, I understand, maybe a bit better, I think. Um, how do I find a good surgeon? What do I need to look out for? I'm just starting my research for a breast reduction, but I don't know what clinics are good or bad and whether the surgeon is qualified. I know, what a living nightmare. You know, what What you need is really, you need someone, almost like a, almost like a book. You know, you almost need a book, you know, of what to look out for written by someone reputable like a a plastic surgeon or something um you know if only that sort of thing existed i don't know that's the sort of thing that you need if only there was such a thing um you know that that would be absolutely ideal just talking about pros and cons you know a reputable plastic surgeon kind of writing a book about it would be would be just just what you need wouldn't it so um i don't know i don't know if anyone's done that i don't know if anyone's actually written do you think anyone's actually taken time out of their their day and would you think anyone's actually you know been that dedicated to go and actually write a book for the benefit of patients um who are looking for a plastic surgeon i don't know i don't think anyone would be that selfless you know i I, I don't i can't imagine anyone would have the, the the skill um, uh, the foresight and uh, you know the the um, yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway yeah okay well anyway yeah, well, I've written a book yeah so um, yeah you get my book never accept to live from strangers never accept to live from, from strangers dot com dot co u k is it and available in all good bookstores actually no it's not I don't think it's available in any good bookstores but Amazon I mean, anyway. anyway yeah so I've written a book on it. Um so but it asked your question, what do you look out for? Or i tell you what you look out for. So breast reduction, you kind of so you first of all you want a plastic surgeon. So you want a plastic surgeon. So that's how you get a plastic surgeon. FRCS plast there. FRCS plast. Anyway, um, that means you've got F, uh, the specialist fellowship in plastic surgery. So um not just FRCS um so the the plastic brackets means plastic surgery if they haven't got plastin brackets then they're not a plastic surgeon. and if they've got ing, eng that means frcs england so that's a much more basic qualification that i got six or seven years prior to the plastic surgery one so you get a basic one first and then you get a specialist one so um don't let them say oh we have fellow of the royal college of surgeons or a member of the royal college of surgeons that's not enough they need to be in the specialist fellowship um, and so the other thing is, you can do, you can check on the GMC register, if you know, if they've got a funny name like Stiano, you'll be all right, but if they've got a normal name, um, it's good if you can find out their GMC number, because you can check on the GMC website, my GMC number is four double one seven two one four. if you want to check about me, if you go to the gmc-uk.org, I think it is, and you put the GMC number in, uh, or their surname you can check whether they're on the specialist register so they need to be on the specialist register uh, for the specialty that you want them to be so a plastic and plastic surgeons will be on the specialist register for plastic surgery um so that's how you find out if the surgeons qualified clinics um i mean it's difficult uh, because i used to say go to the the local private hospital well i still say it go to your local private hospitals um the problem personally is that the, i used to work at the priory in the parkway which are the two the BMI or circle is is now and uh, spire but it's increasingly difficult to get into those hospitals Um, so uh, plastic surgeons are now working outside of those private hospitals it used to be that only the um, kind of non-qualified plastic surgeons worked outside those hospitals but now a lot of fully qualified plastic surgeons are making their own facilities and actually working in them so that's no longer a a definite way of finding one but certainly if you can find someone who works at the spire and the bmi and the ramsey or those big hospital groups then they will be a fully qualified surgeon Um, reviews i think is a good thing to look out for although people talk about you know reviews i don't know whether i i i think reviews is is a good word of mouth if you can get word of mouth um meet them see what you think of them ask them questions Hopefully, they won't be cagey or, you know, dodge your questions. Um, uh, what we got here? Uh, to that person, JJ is your man, speaking from experience. There we go. Your book. Thank you. Don't go anywhere else. There you go. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's lots of good plastic surgeons. Look, uh, Barps and Bapras. So, Barps is the aesthetic plastic surgery so, sort of more for sort of cosmeticy things. So, if you look at the BARPS website, that's another good way of finding someone. B double um, So, look for a BARPS surgeon. Not all plastic surgeons are BARPS members or BAPRAS members, but all BARPS members are plastic and all BAPRAS members are plastic surgeons. So that makes sense. It's voluntary whether you are a member of the association. BAPRAS is a bit more for kind of general for um, Plastic surgery, who you know, head and neck, and melanoma, and skin grafts, and craniofacial, whereas Barps is a bit more for the aesthetic uh, plastic surgeon. So, um, but yes, those those are the areas where you'll be able to find a, a qualified surgeon uh, Barbs and Bapras. So, hold on a minute is fat transfer with uplift an option instead of implants? Here we go. Well that's a funny question isn't it is fat transfer within uplift an option instead of implants so let's take fat transfer let's just address the uplift thing uplift is different to implants well god is it only kind of kind of worms here well generally let's keep it simple implants are making them bigger uplift is making the shape different um so an uplift is if you've got a shape problem if your nipple's sitting a bit low if you've got a bit of a droop to your breast that's when the uplift comes in. so kind of like a fat transfer with uplift is, yeah, no, I, I take, it is a good question. Actually, I'll take that back and start again. So yeah, okay, is fat transfer with uplift an option instead of implants? Um, yes, you know, if for the right person, I guess. Um, if So if you don't need an uplift, then, but you probably wouldn't be asking the question if you didn't need an uplift, then fat transfer versus implants, I've said earlier, I don't think it gives you the same sort of volume, so I think it's not really a credible um, option. Is uplift an option instead of implants? Now, the thing about implants is that they're really good at making them bigger. They do do, to a degree, kind of stretch the skin. If you have got a bit of a droop, then implants can have a bit of a go at sort of kind of filling the skin. They don't do an uplift, so they're not as good as an uplift if you've just purely got a shape problem. If you've got droopy breasts, implants are not gonna do as good a job as a lift the problem is a lot of people don't want to lift because of the scarring and the complications etc which is completely uh, completely reasonable Um, so if you don't want to lift and you haven't got much of a droop it might be an option to consider implants Um, but if you have got a big droop then implants aren't good because the implants will be here the breasts will fall off but if you've got a mild droop then Implants of a certain volume, as long as you wanted a fair volume, that might do the trick. And then that sort of person who's got a bit of a mild droop, nothing dr- 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 drastic, would not need, you know, airside, quite big implants. They say, I don't want big implants. Well, that's not really going to sort out that mild droop problem. I only want to be a little bit bigger. That's not going to sort out the mild droop problem. So that might be your uplift and fat grafting. But again, I would say the uplift to sort out the shape. And I would question you about the fat grafting. I feel a bit anxious about the fat grafting because it is quite subtle, the results, and it is quite expensive. Fat grafting is quite an expensive operation. It takes quite a long time. You harvest the fat. You have to then process the fat before injecting it back in again. And so it does take quite a long time. So it is quite expensive. And the volume increase with fat grafting is quite subtle. So you have to be happy with that. Look at that. pause due to poor connection. Sorry about that. I mean, that's internet for you, isn't it? I mean, in this day and age... A social media influencer like myself having paused during poor for poor connection on their instagram live i should have a word with the um internet providers to say i need some dedicated bandwidth coming to this place because i've got people to serve you know i'm serving the community here i'm a face i'm a known i've got you know double um double maybe not double digits but double people times two well i've got four let's be let's be honest with ourselves four people online here on the gram on the on the book and these people need me so i can't be having pause due to poor connection come on internet riders pull your finger out sort out us influencers and give us a bit of bandwidth take it from next door they're just you know watching netflix and stuff i'm doing I'm doing work here i'm doing community work here better than the hotel wi-fi well to be honest corin maybe if i would not so maybe if i paid five pound for the premium wi-fi the hotel would have been all right but uh i was on the basic to be honest with you but um yeah anyway um don't worry i'll get i'll get, get on to my um you know social media manager after this and say that this is disgusting pause due to poor connection anyway um so Yeah, so is fat transfer with an option instead of implants? I guess it is. Yeah, I guess it is. It is an option for someone with a mild droop who wants a mild increase in volume, because a mild droop, if you're having an implant, you might need a bit more volume that you will not be happy with. So if you're only a little bit bigger and you've got a bit of a droop, then a fat transfer with implants would be an option. Yes, it would. (sighs) Wow. Okay, listen, Corin, you've got to go back to your pad, tie. Um, i've got things to do because you know clearly the schedule is full i think as uh those of you know me how busy i am um so that was a lot of good questions there i hope i've covered everything if you've got any questions by all means write it to